Well, we are listening to O Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe. And today, yes, it's Tuesday, August the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me in the studio is Pastor Mark Smith. Hey, Tom, I appreciated that beautiful rendition of this hymn. I I think you stopped it a little abruptly, but okay. Um, Wasn't it going into the second verse? Well, maybe so. I don't know. It just seemed a little bit abrupt. Yes, it was going into the second (laughs) verse. Well, aren't you used to that at your congregation? <laughs> Everything's kind of abrupt. <laughs> hey, I got something that I want to share with you. I came across, as I was cleaning out my library, I came across a book of hymn writers. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll bring it next time. And it's got Catherine Winkworth in it. Well, the reason that's important is she just so happens to be the translator of this hymn. Yeah, right, right. You know, there aren't too many hymns that you would want to pick to be... Number 666. You know what I'm saying? You know, that is one number that I'm sure the authorities that put together this hymnal, I'm sure they, I'm sure they weighed the consideration of now what, what hymn can we choose for number 666? And this is, this is a perfect choice because it talks about, talks about the old evil foe. Yeah. When I left the house this morning, my wife, Louise asked me, do you know what the hymn is? And I said, it's about the devil. I'm going to ask you, do you know what number it is? She looked at me and she said, 666? That's right. Now, explain to our listeners why 666 and the devil are connected. Well, 666 is the number of the Antichrist. Yes, in the book of Revelation. Yeah, in the book of Revelation, right. Yes. So, um, And he's, he's you know, aligned with uh, Satan himself and... Oh, little flock, fear not the foe who madly seeks our overflow. You know, I mean. Uh, and, and that's why we have pastors and congregations. Sure. And that's why you're retiring. <laughs> no, that's not why I'm retiring. I know you're not retiring, but, you know, once you hit 80 years old, you should retire. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tom. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have mentioned that over the radio. I'm just a youthful 65. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you're uh, leaving in January. Right, right. Right. Yeah, at at the end of, of this calendar year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm actually, I, I'm serving as an interim pastor, uh, according to the district president in central Illinois at four congregations. Two of them that I serve have called a pastor for both of them that they're beginning in September. So I'll be looking for if there are other congregations that need some help. Especially on Sundays, I'm available on Sundays. Then I'll be able to uh, maybe help them out, and we work through the district office and this sort of thing to to find congregations like that. And mileage doesn't matter. The one is about 400 mile round trip, and yeah. the other is. And you like to drive? Oh, I love to drive because I finished listening to all the CDs of the Old Testament. Oh wow, sixty of them. Yeah, man. And the next time I drive, which will be Wednesday. For congregations in the Springfield, Illinois area, I begin the New Testament. Why don't you work on memorizing the New Testament? You know, I always heard there was always a rumor going around that somebody at the Fort Wayne Seminary had the whole New Testament memorized. I don't, I never checked that out, but I always heard that rumor. There well, was some professor that had the whole that New Testament be. I memorized. was unaware of that, but you know who is pretty close to memorizing it? Our good friend, Peter... Kurowski. Oh, Peter Krause? Is that right? Yes. I, could, I could see him working on that. Yes. I he could really see him. loved memorizing that. And uh-huh. um, that's why in my publishing 
house. He's written about 10 books that yeah. we sell. Yeah, I was coming across some of his books the other day, too. As I In was your library. Going through my library. Yeah, yeah, probably had dust all over. No, them. no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Oh, I had a real interesting situation at the congregations near Effingham. Is I did a wedding. Uh-huh. So I was there kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right. For the rehearsal and all this kind of thing. So all this kind of thing. Oh, the bride would really love you. <laughs> well, no, all these kinds of things that we had to do. Yeah. So at any rate, on the day of the wedding, I was meeting with the groomsmen. They were in the pastor's office. She uh -huh. was at the other end of the church uh -huh. with her bridesmaid getting dressed and such. And I said, what text should we preach on today? And they really didn't know. Yeah, I'll bet they gave you a look. And I said, well, uh, there's one I kind of like, but I don't know if you'd enjoy it. Wives, obey your husbands, <laughs> which is right out of Ephesians 5. And they all looked and they voted, yeah, do that one. <laughs> yeah. And they thought I was kidding. And I got in the pulpit and I say, today's text is from Ephesians 5. Uh -huh. Wives, obey your husbands. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I can just see... As the, as the groom kneels down at the altar, the bottom of his, the soles of his feet will have, help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we Lutherans have a totally different understanding That's of right. that yes. than, uh, than does anybody else, hardly. Uh, there's a lot of husbands who really take that literalistically rather than literally. Right. And I said, the way a false teacher works is they give you a passage, but they leave part of it out. Exactly. Like the devil. They distort it. He distorted even with Adam and Eve, and he distorted with Jesus and the temptations, etc. So I said, let me tell you the whole passage. Wives, obey your husbands as you do the Lord. And the point I was trying to make is you, wives are to obey the husband when the husbands are speaking on behalf of the Lord. And I mentioned some things that, for example, if you had a baby, the husband's responsible for making sure it's baptized, goes to church, Sunday school, confirmation, etc. And I said, I've been married to Louise a long time, and I have never used that. Yeah, you never had to. Never had to. Because, because she, she felt as strongly about those things as you do. Exactly. And I said, I wish I had that privilege where she had to obey me, because when she got her new car, instead of getting the 42-mile-per-gallon Prius that I wanted her, she got an 18-mile-per-gallon Honda Pilot. And I said, I looked up in the Bible everywhere, but couldn't find the word Prius. <laughs> and unfortunately, the word pilot's the pilot's the there. <laughs> he suffered under Pontius Pilate. <laughs> so at the beginning of the sermon, I always ask a question. I said, who disagrees with Jesus? And one woman, she's really having a problem. She started putting her hand up. Oh, you disagree with Jesus? I said, no, no. <laughs> but they didn't understand to obey the husband. Right. You've got a... And, and the husband... The husband really is called to love his wife as Christ loved the church. In other words, husband ought, his... to, a husband ought to be ready to lay down his life for his exactly. wife. Exactly. So I'd say 90% of the um, decisions. In fact, at the rehearsal, uh, Nadia was the uh, bride-to-be. There were about 50 questions. She answered them all, and he didn't say one thing. And I said, that's because he's not only a Christian, 
but there's no reason that you have to get in an argument over right. any of this stuff. And I gave an example uh, at the wedding. They asked me to do the prayer. I said, um, uh, something bad happened at the motel this morning. I had told Louise to set the alarm. And so on Saturday morning, it uh, woke us up at 6 because they have free breakfast. I want to make sure I made that. Oh, yes. And she hit the alarm, and it kept on going. And it kept on going louder and louder and louder. And she gave it to me, and I was hitting the buttons, and it was going louder and louder. It was this motel alarm. Uh Yeah, right. (laughs) And so finally, I'm just going to have to unplug it. And I went to unplug it, and all of a sudden, the noise stopped. And I looked over to her, how that happened. She had brought our home alarm and had set that one. (laughs) And it was a home alarm going on. So you didn't realize it was a home alarm that was ringing. No, no. And I said, you know... Forty years ago, I probably looked at her and said, well, that was dumb. You don't even know what alarm. And then she would have said to me, okay, you start sending the alarms the rest of our life. But instead of that, because we've been married so long, we looked at each other and we broke out in laughter. (laughs) (laughs) And I told them, arguments are so ridiculous that a lot of times you just have to laugh about it. Yeah, really. And this kind of thing. That is right. So I had a lot of fun. I had great meals, this sort of thing that I preached on Sunday. And uh, it was really... uh, Louise had come with me. And so uh, on the way back, I had lots of conversation about Trader Joe's. (laughs) Okay. Read the first stanza. We better get to the hymn. You bet. Oh, little flock. Oh, little flock, fear not the foe. Who madly seeks your overthrow, dread not his rage and power. And though your courage sometimes faints, his seeming triumph o'er God's saints lasts but a little hour. Now, see, these, this verse, the reason it's so important for a Christian, it's filled with promises. Yes. I love this hymn. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. You're going to be singing it, it this I, Sunday? I use it a lot. I'll probably, I probably will use it this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I have already sent in everything for this Sunday already, and this is one of the hymns that we're using. But but you were really right. 666 fits well yeah. with this hymn. Dread not his rage and power. The reason for that, even before Christ died on the cross, the devil couldn't touch Job. No, that's right. He could only do what God permitted him and not one bit more. So we had a big conversation last week in the Bible study after the church service at one of the churches about uh, how do we understand God uh, allowing all these shootings to take place and people dying. And it just so happens we are going through the Heidelberg disputation at that point where Luther makes the point, you are not a theologian when you look at creation and your experience to figure out how god thinks right boy was it was just yeah, perfect that's right that's and why I, that movement what would jesus do really yeah it just really fell short no it really does because can't half fi- the time i don't know out. what he would do can't figure that out and even when i did like i was on a boat with my two young sons stupidly and the river kind of caught us on a uh, a branch, Jesus just would have stood up, put his hand up, and say, peace be still. It doesn't work for me. No. <laughs> so I prayed, and we came off the branch and went back to the shore, but we didn't go back in the boat. I'll bet not. No, no, that was really something. And the point here is, is that 
when you ask questions, why did this person die or which people died in the shooting and such like that, you need to be silent and let God be God. Be still and know that I am God. Very good. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big Lutheran understanding. Luther has a lot about that, about the silence of God and the hiddenness of God. You cannot figure God out by looking at creation. No. And all other religions do. So if they're growing crops and they flourish, great harvest, they think God loves yeah. them. What? You know, they think, I did something. I must have done exactly. something to, to earn it. But then if the hail comes and destroys it. If that's all blown away. What so. did I do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah. And that's where Christianity and Lutheranism is totally yeah. different. So we don't have to fear the foe because he only... His power over us lasts about a little hour. Mm -hmm. And that's through temptation, like what Jesus had. And as you turn to Christ, even if you fall into the temptation, you also have the opportunity to repent of that and know that your sin is forgiven. Yeah. Didn't Jesus say, uh, but this is, but Satan, but this is your hour and the power of darkness? Yes. Yes. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think he said that. Yeah. And that was really interesting because he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Right. That was really important. Stanza two, please. Be of good cheer. Your cause belongs to him who can avenge your wrongs. Leave it to him, our Lord. Though hidden yet from mortal eyes, his Gideon shall for you arise, uphold you and his word. Who's Gideon? Gideon is one of the judges. Yes. Who uh, who won a victory, all because, you know, God was behind him. But remember, God had him, you know, he had more than a thousand men. Yeah. They were they were fighting the uh, Midianites. Okay. And the whole valley was filled with Midianites. You yes. know, the, they were all encamped, and they were they were always bothering the Israelites. So, so uh, Gideon had all these, uh, had a thousand men that offered to fight. And, and God said, that's too many? I don't want you thinking it's it's your it's because you did it. I want you to know it's because I helped you. So, so he whittles he whittles down the water. army. Right. He whittles down the army to 300. 300 by how they drank water from it, the brook. Right. That's yes. right. And uh and they defeated him. They they defeated him and and uh, there was no doubt it was God that was behind it. The book of Judges goes through a whole bunch of judges and I mean you just wonder about the Israelites. They know about going through the Red Sea, and immediately they begin rebelling against God again and again. Mm-hmm. Then God sends them other nations to punish right. them, and then they pray to God, and he sends a, sends a judge. <laughs> um, and one of them even was a woman. Yeah, right. Now, Deborah. Yes, very good. And so... Why do you think... Let me ask you this. I don't know if I've ever heard Gideon presented as... He's like a type of Christ here, isn't he? Presented as kind of a, a, a type or a foreshadowing of Christ, don't you think? And, and I've never heard Gideon used in that way, except in this hymn. Yes, because Christ is the Gideon for us. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one against us is the devil. Right. And Jesus comes and destroys the work of the devil by taking upon himself the curse. Uh-huh. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm forsaking you because you have the sins of the entire world on your uh-huh. shoulders. And God turns his back on his son. So Gideon 
upholds you and his word, God's mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, when I had my uh, heart surgery and they wanted to do a procedure where I have to be off for three months, mm-hmm. I said, no, no, no. Well, there was a Gideon in those doctors who said, well, we could go up your leg instead to put in the new valve in your heart. I thought he was kidding. I said, well, how long am I down for that? Overnight. No, Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. In fact, I just saw the doctor yesterday. Why, why would anyone go the other way? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, if you had a heart transplant, sure. then you'd have to open sure. up the... But, um, and I've been telling people all over it, and it's really becoming as um, famous as it is in Europe. It's been in Europe for some time. Uh-huh. But boy, I saw the doctor yesterday, and he was pleased with all the tests Everything's and all this fine, kind huh? of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, everything is fine. So I'll read stanza three. As true as God's own word is true, not earth nor hell's satanic crew against us shall prevail. There might a joke, a mere facade. God is with us, and we with God. Our victory cannot fail. Now, how do you explain that to a parent whose child died at birth or in a car accident or something like this? Doesn't it appear there that the victory did fail? Well, first of all, you've got to empathize with their sorrow and pain. Yes. Uh, you got to let them know that, hey, I, I understand. Uh, well, I can at least maybe begin to understand your tears and sorrow. But uh, you will see your child again yes make no mistake that's where the victory you will, is that you'll see your child again uh christ is risen and so will she so will we be risen so this is an important question to whom is this hymn written uh i was thinking uh i was thinking it was written for the uh it's for the flock yes the, the and, little flock that that it tends to fear the foe and and who is the flock it's Christians. Yes. Yeah. This is written for Christians. Right. And that's why our victory cannot fail. Right. I mean, except for John on the island of Patmos, almost we understand the rest of the apostles were martyred. And yet they still had the victory. Absolutely. Because they were in heaven. And that's what we need to get across to our people. That regardless of what is happening to you, God, first of all, looks on the power of Satan as a joke. Yeah, right. I've never heard that there, before. There, there, there might a joke, a mere facade. It's 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 all it's hollow, you know. Yes. There's just they just look that formidable, informidable rather. And I'll tell you, this is why a sermon it can explain a text. But that's only half the sermon. Yeah. Now you have to apply it right. to the people in the pew. I mean, um, we have a member I'm working with, and in December her husband died, and in January her house burned down. Oh, wow. And she was giving the positive things that she felt came out of those things. Mm-hmm. And one of them was that she was out of town when the house burned down. Mm. You know, I mean, she has come to a faith understanding that we still don't know why God did either of those two items or permitted them. But through faith, that's how you're comforted. 
mm-hmm. knowing these promises that are found throughout this hymn. Mm-hmm. So why don't you read the last stanza? Amen, Lord Jesus, grant our prayer. Great Captain, now thine arm make bare. Fight for us once again. So shall thy saints and martyrs rise, a mighty chorus to thy praise forevermore. Amen. So, amen, Lord Jesus. Why amen at the beginning of the verse? What does amen mean? Uh, because amen means yes, yes, it yes. shall be so. And, yes. And we're, we're saying yes to his victory, absolutely. And that he will grant our prayer. Now, this is interesting. Great captain, now thine arm make bare. What does that mean? Well, he is captain of of Sabaoth. He's head of Sabaoth, Jesus. Yes. Sabaoth is the whole garrison of heavenly angels. And he is the head. He is their captain. He is their Gideon, if you will. And the next line is really good. Fight for us once again. Right. There we get back to the idea of Gideon. Jesus is our Gideon. We have time for one more question. Go. When he says... His Gideon shall for you arise. Is he talking about his going to the cross for you and uh, and his resurrection for you? Or is he talking about his coming on the last day to, to give you the final culmination of that victory? What do you think? Or is it both? Neither. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> what's, what's your answer? My answer is, so this lady had the death. And the fire. Who was the Gideon that helped her through that? Christ. No. Who else would it be? Because she couldn't hear Christ. Christ wasn't speaking. The pastor. The pastor was her Gideon. Yes. The Gideons come from those whom God has put in authority okay. over us. So in other words, it's not necessarily uh it's not necessarily Christ himself. Gideon is not necessarily but it is Christ himself, because what you will say, she says, did I do this because of a sin? No, upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, office as a called and ordained servant of the word, and by Christ's authority, I forgive your sins, which means Christ is forgiving her sins, but the Gideon is the person. Who okay. would, you, so, you yourself said this, Gideon... Christ didn't want him to get the impression that right. he was the one. Right. So he lowered the number of men, but Christ is the one who gets all the credit now for that, what That's interesting. Gideon so did. in other words, when we talk about his Gideon shall for you arise, really that hymn is talking about how God will work through another another champion, another human being. He'll he'll bring, Whatever. Uh-huh. Uh it could be uh laws. Uh, for example, I was just watching something where the husband died, and there was they couldn't find the body, so there was no insurance mm-hmm. for the woman. Mm-hmm. And then when they did find the body, she got the insurance. Uh, right. And so there was Gideon. The police found the body, and she was able to get the insurance. So she could look to God and say, thank you for the police that kept searching for him. <laughs> And helped her to get through that. Yeah, I, when I saw that, I just assumed that Gideon was Christ specifically, but not well, necessarily. It's broader, it's broader than that. You're Christ specifically in the worship service. Right. Okay. Which occurs when? I'm in his stead and by his command. Uh, at the absolution? 
and at the Lord's Supper. No, I was saying where your church was. Oh, <laughs> Prince of Peace in Crestwood. Join us Saturday at 5 and Sunday morning at 9. And um, you got a Bible study Sunday morning? Uh, 10.30. Yes. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we were going to be doing a continuation of the Hebrews passage on faith, but that becomes the lesson next week, so we're going to wait for that, and we have a different lesson for tomorrow. Join us for Bible Study Wednesday. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.